This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. Hi, this is Dr. Kate Eckert, and today's podcast is going to be on feet. And I had just posted a TikTok earlier this past week. And it just had myself in a pair of minimalist footwear shoes and it had the caption, try to make sure your feet are both strong and flexible because if you don't, then you have just lost the shock absorber for your body. And that can give you issues like plantar fasciitis, ankle pain, knee pain, hip pain, or even pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, So it's a widespread thing. Uh, Just you know, think what happens, what wear and tear kind of has to happen in your body when you've lost that shock absorber system. Um, So it wasn't meant to be a long explanation of it, just kind of a get you thinking kind of a thing. And somebody had asked in there, uh, what would be the best kind of shoes to wear? Um, Or how, how do you get stronger, more flexible feet. So I just wanted to kind of talk, touch on those things and give you an idea of how you can slowly implement different things to make your feet more strong and flexible without uh, like jumping in from going from really restrictive footwear into a pair of minimalist shoes. You're probably going to get injured or have pain. Um, the, the muscle musculature in your feet are just like muscles anywhere else. So if you went and did some kind of workout that was outside of your ability level, you're going to be leave yourself open for injury. So same kind of idea with jumping right into a really minimalist shoe. So the concept with that shock absorber, um, for the foot is that we have actually have three arches in our foot. We have the medial on the inside of the foot and lateral, and then the transverse. So across the center. So we have these different arches in our foot. And as we go through that motion of gait, walking, running, whatever, um, that arch should flatten out and then recoil as we come through. So that's what the shock absorber is. So that arch, the muscles of the arch should be able to eccentrically load as they're flattening out and then concentrically contract as we come through. Um, A lot of times with a really supportive shoe or structured shoe, we lose that ability to have good movement through our arch Um, if you're a runner and you think about where you strike on your foot, are you hitting the midfoot? Are you heel striking? If you were to run in minimalist footwear, 
and you didn't have that artificial buffer of a really padded shoe, you would not be a heel striker. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be comfortable. You wouldn't probably be able to tolerate it. So ideally we hit through our midfoot and have that shock absorption happen. So it's a totally different way to go about, about walking, moving, running, um, and even walking. As we're walking throughout the day, that's still taxing on the feet. Now, the other thing would be is if you have a lot of arch, built-up arch support in your shoe. So if it, the arch is really high, it's artificially holding your arch up there. Think of that as a brace. So it's doing the work for the muscles. And anytime we wear a brace anywhere else, like our ankle, our back, wherever, we're going to get atrophy of the muscles that we usually do that um, support of the structure. So you wear these um, shoes with a big arch in them, and then we slowly kind of decondition our foot. We, we atrophy the muscles because we're wearing shoes all the time. You know, you don't usually have a job that you can go and be barefoot. You might, you know, not like some people don't like to go barefoot in their house. So they'll wear shoes even at home. So they have most of the time they're in shoes. And if they develop a problem like plantar fasciitis, we kind of get in this hamster wheel of we've weakened our foot. Now we have uh, plantar fasciitis, so we're in pain. So it's even more painful to ever be out of the shoe. So now we're always wearing a shoe. I have patients that have shoes beside their bed to get to the bathroom and back because they can't even tolerate walking back and forth to the bathroom. So it's really hard to get out of that painful point of something like plantar fasciitis so that then you can strengthen so that you can tolerate that natural foot pattern that we were meant to have. So if you don't have any injuries in your feet or anything, that's the perfect time to start better mobility and more strengthening of the foot because you don't have that barrier of, um, of pain restricting you from just the, the mobility exercises. So I would, you know, be proactive, know that this is going to possibly cause you a problem down the road. If you're, if you know you're that person who doesn't ever like to go without their shoes, this would be definitely for you. I'm not saying you don't have to wear your shoes, but even think about the activities you do or is your exercise of choice something where you wear shoes or cleats or something that's stiff. Um, I know that I used to like to rock climb and those shoes are really restrictive and I hated that, but that's, that's just how they're made. Um, or when I was younger, I did dance and point shoes, you know, that's not super <laughs> ergonomic for your feet. But if you do yoga, gymnastics, those kind of things where you're barefoot, um, you get uh, better neurologic input to the foot because it's feeling lots of different texture. It's moving through lots of ranges of motion. It's forced to use its full uh, range there. So if you, you know, think of the, extra, the activities that are your, part of your normal day. Think of how often you are in your bare feet. 
think of how often you wear things like flip-flops. I love flip-flops, but depending on how they fit, they can often create toe gripping to keep them on. And that's going to cause another set of kind of problems to it. So working on toe extension and getting some nice, even movement in the foot. Um, so what I would do just to start off with, so if you're going from really restrictive footwear and you want to slowly start that process of getting flexible, strong feet, I would, instead of jumping right to minimalist footwear, I would get a shoe that has a wide toe box. So toe box would be right where your toes are at and that ball of the foot, making sure that it's wide and doesn't put even an ounce of pressure on the big toe to push it into the center. Um, I think when people think of things like bunions, they think huge, drastic bunions. But I have a lot of patients that have the beginnings of a bunion. Um, that's probably simply from the footwear that they wear. So when you're thinking of that wide toe box, think of no pressure on your big toe, pushing it to the center line. Ideally, you know, your heel is more narrow than the ball of the foot. So you're looking at the heel of the foot, the bones coming out, splay out, and it's almost making like a triangle or a tripod. So the big toe should follow the line of that tripod coming out to the side. So not even straight ahead, it should um, follow the line of the bones of the foot. So nice and wide in the toe box is a great starting point and not putting any of that pressure inward on the big toe or even on the pinky, drawing the pinky center. Um, so before you switch to totally minimal, start with a wide toe box. Um, and then I would move on to mobilization. So you could use a tennis ball, you could use the yoga tune-up ball, you can use a lacrosse ball, you could use any ball that you've got lying around your house. And you would simply roll the bottom of the foot, get some nice movement of the tissue on the bottom. Now that is where the plantar fascia is. And you're just warming it up. Then I would put your heel on the ground and the ball under the arch. And you're going to roll the ball side to side so that you're taking the big toe, touching down, and then taking the pinky side and touching down. So you're rocking back and forth. And I can link that exercise. I've done a video on it before. Uh, it feels really good. And you might not be able to get the big toe all the way down to the floor or the pinky toe all the way down to the floor at first. But you will, if you practice it, you will get better. And you will get there eventually. But, you know, and that might be a good indicator of, wow, you know, my shoes move in this one plane, but I don't get any a movement, a splaying of the metatarsals because of the shoes that I wear. So think of splaying those metatarsals back and forth and getting a nice flare of the toes side to side. Then I would work on individually extending the toes, especially if you are a flip-flop wearer. So you would put the tripod of your foot down, so the sole of the foot is down, and then you put the big toe up on the ball and let it stretch the big toe back in 
extension. And then you're going to lightly press into the ball. So like an isometric contraction of your big toe flexion and relax and press and relax and press and relax. And then you stretch it a little bit more by bringing the heel up. And I have, again, I have a video of that. And then you would do the next three toes. Now, big toe, you know, you have to be able to extend your big toe to have proper gait. And if you can't extend your big toe, you will be causing problems in the ankle, knee, or hip because it's going to change the torque at the knee or the hip um, because of how we have to compensate. So if you can't fully extend your big toe, you're going to have to externally rotate that shin to roll over the side. So you must probably going to have some type of bony change to the foot, like a bunion, but you're also going to torque and stress the ankle and the hip as well. So making sure you have great big toe extension is important. And then as you use the ball on the next three toes, you're probably going to be like, oh, those are a neglected area on my body because they're going to feel stiff and restricted possibly if you're um, not used to this kind of work. And you would do the same thing where you isometrically press and then relax and then press and then relax and stretch a little bit more. And then you would do the pinky. And when you do the pinky toe and you try to press it into the ball, it's going to feel like nothing's happening. And that doesn't matter because it's a brain connection. So you're telling your brain, flex that pinky toe. And even if not a shiver of a movement happens, you're still sending that that brain connection to those muscles that actually flex the toe. Eventually you will get more, but the, the brain part of it is just as important as what you can see moving. So even if you can't see it, it's still helping. So after I would have somebody do that, I would have them do this thing that I call, it's a lumbrical release. I first saw it from Dr. Perry Nicholson. I do it on all of my patients that have uh, plantar fasciitis. If you've been into the office, you know what it is. It is weirdly painful if you have a foot restriction. Um, but lumbricals are really tiny muscles that help with the, with the um, structure of our foot. And the way I work on the trigger points is I, when I'm using it, when I'm working on myself or another patient, I use just my uh, pointer finger and my thumb and I go right between the, the bones of the foot. So I start at the big toe and go in between the metatarsals and you're pinching and you find, if you find a sore spot, it might feel like an electrical sensation. Hold for a few seconds till it kind of dulls move to the next way and you're moving up the foot until you can't really go any far where it's softer tissue. And then you go in between the next two toes all the way down to the pinky side edge. Um, it's a weirdly wonderful but painful exercise and it's great for foot mobility and to prep you for to do the strength work. So I would do that one next and you can always work your way up into doing muscle work into um, the calf, but for today we're just talking a foot. But usually, when you're doing a lower extremity thing, you would you would move more upwards uh, into the leg. Um, so we've got the release work with the ball. We've got the trigger point with the finger. So if you can't reach your foot, 
with your your pointer finger and your thumb because of a knee issue or hip issue, you can take a pencil with the eraser end and you can just press in between the bones of the foot and wiggle it around and looking for those trigger points. And that is helpful too if you can't quite reach or you could have somebody do it for you. Um, so the next thing I would try would be some strengthening. So the strengthening that I like to do, and it's super common in the PT world and everything like that, are short foot exercises. So if you think of the tripod of your foot, you've got right underneath the, if this were my big toe here, right underneath the pinky toe and then right in front of the heel. So you've got this nice triangular base. So when people are doing exercises, I usually have them think of grounding through those three points. Um, I've even had people tape pennies to each side so they can uh, really sense where they should be distributing their weight. Um, and when you do the short foot exercise, you're trying to draw up the arch. So you're not doing the flip-flop toe curl thing because we're trying to get just the arch, not the toes. So the toes stay nice and relaxed and you're going to draw the arch up by pressing the big the base of the big toe down and raising the arch. If that's hard for you to get the hang of, you can also try windshield wipers. So your heel stays stationary. You're gonna turn the leg out, externally rotate it, put the foot down, drag like you're trying to squish a blueberry across the, or bug across the floor with the base of the big toe. And as you internally rotate, it's gonna naturally draw the arch up. It's probably if you're a little weaker in this area, it's gonna feel like it's gonna Charlie horse. So not letting the toes grip and claw down. They are nice and loose and light. We're using that base of the big toe to be the contact point with the floor. Um, so we got windshield wiper strengthening and we have short foot strengthening. Then you would load it. So by loading it, I mean adding in a band. So you could tie just a simple TheraBand to something like the leg of a table, loop it around the big toe, and you're just going to draw the foot internally rotated, and that's going to also lift that arch. So create that strength in the arch. Um, you can also do the other direction as well. Now, when you're bringing the foot over, you're going to feel the big toe kind of leading the charge. And so this is also a great exercise for someone that has bunions because it's recruiting that, encouraging that medial movement of the big toe naturally. Um, the other thing that I didn't mention, which is kind of strength, kind of mobility, um, would be just standing and then lifting the toes up, spreading them wide, and placing them down wide, and then bringing them up, bringing them together, and down. So working on that toe splay as you're seated, standing, whatever, and then trying 
to move just the big toes by themselves up and then down and then all the rest of the toes only by themselves and down. So again, this is that brain thing. Uh, it's about thinking about it, not so much seeing it happen. So you can also, if you just can't lift one by itself, you can physically hold, like if you can't lift the smaller toes by themselves, hold down your big toe and then lift them. So you get that brain connection, like, okay, I'm just lifting these ones and I'm going to physically hold down the other one. And as you practice it, you will get better. The body and the brain is phenomenal at adapting and learning new things. We just have to have that consistency. You're not going to do it one time and get it. You have to be consistent. It's just uh, how exercise works. Um, so we have that, the short foot exercises, the windshield wiper, the banded once you get to that point and you can load it a little bit. Um, and then you can even try a, a few variations of calf raises. So coming up onto the ball or onto the ball with foot and raising the heels. And I like to really niche down and make the movement more specific. So sometimes I'll have people stand on a step, but hold a tune-up ball or tennis ball or whatever they have at home between their heels so that when they come up onto their releve or up onto their toes, they know that their um, heels are tracking together because they have to hold that ball together. Or... I like to call them um, calf raise rainbows. So you would come up with your heels completely together and then bring them down apart and then come up, come together at the top and bring them down. So all about controlling that foot and ankle movement, um, playing around with that and then trying them unilaterally. So one foot at a time, because we are often a little asymmetric. So if you're doing a calf raise, you might have a dominant foot or dominant calf that you're going to rely on that side to do the lion's share of the work. Um, so that is some strengthening stuff. So once you've got your wide toe box shoe, you've done the myofascial release, the mobility, the strengthening, then I would buy maybe an, a pair of minimalist shoes, and then I would wear them only for a half an hour at a time. Wear them half an hour the first day, then for the first week. And then maybe the next week, wear them for a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour at night. So that you slowly build that strength to be able to wear them all day. Um, and it won't take that long and it depends on, you know, do you have a history of foot issues, that kind of thing, but it would be a slow process, but that would probably be the safest way to do it. And, you know, there's lots of different minimalist footwear brands out there. I have usually, I think I only have, um, Vivo barefoot shoes and they also make kids shoes and, um, my kids do wear those and I do have a pair of earth runners, which are like a sandal that are minimalist footwear, but I really like them. And to be honest with the pandemic, I used to love going to the gym. That was a huge, huge part of my life to actually go into a gym all the time. 
And of course I wore shoes because I'm not a weirdo, but now I am a weirdo, <laughs> but I work out at home now and I don't ever wear shoes unless I'm on a, the spin bike. So it would be really weird for me to squat or deadlift in shoes. I think now I just feel like I can feel the ground better. I can feel my tripod of my foot, that triangular base better. And I would not want to have to wear shoes. So maybe it'll become a thing someday out there where people will not wear their shoes to work out. And I'm not sure. But if you have any questions, uh, feel free to ask me. I'll try to link those exercises below so that you can actually see what they look like. And have a great one. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.